You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. South Africa's inflation rate has fallen to, I think, a record low. But anyway, we'll get that confirmed or denied by Annabel Bishop, who's the chief economist at Investec in Johannesburg. Annabel, I got a message from the desk of Investex department, SA Economics department, and it says here, further fuel price cuts had a dampening effect on May's Headline CPI reading. CPI inflation slowed further in May to 2.1%, down from 3% year-on-year in April and 4.1% year-on-year in March. These are big numbers, or rather small numbers. It's it's a very substantial move. And, you know, we've had over four rand per litre cut in the petrol price. So, you know, certainly that is a big driver. But nevertheless, sadly, this is now the end of the downward trend. And for the next couple of months, we're going to see upward pressure coming through on inflation. Remember, of course, we had two big petrol price hikes in the month of um, June and July. And, of course, that's then going to, you know, turn the inflation figure around back towards 3%. And really, you know, drive it even a bit higher towards the end of the year. We, we're actually expecting 3 0.4% is an average for this year. Okay, so this is a once-off. I mean, we, we can't expect to see a 2.1% print again for quite a while. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And of course, you know, in August, there's also another petrol price hike as well. So, you know, these big petrol price cuts came, obviously, as the oil price collapsed globally in the face of the COVID-19 crisis. Now the oil price has recovered somewhat. Of course, you know, that's been reversed. Let's look away from the petrol price, the energy factor in this CPI print. What about demand? What about local demand? Has that also been a, a contributing factor? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit harder there because, of course, you know, when you get such big petrol price cuts, um, the expectation or hope is that there's a second round effect. And, of course, you know, coming through in the months of May, obviously, and of course, April and, you know, March, there was obviously the hope that this would feed through into the second round of flex, lower inflation overall. But of course, with very substantial lockdown restrictions in South Africa over April and May, level five and four, people weren't able to travel that much or even shop very much at all. So, of course, you know, there was a limitation in terms of the impact of this, um, of this downward pressure. Core inflation measured by CPI, excluding food and non-alcoholic beverages, fuel and energy, remained broadly unchanged at 3.1% year-on-year versus April's 3.2% year-on-year. But then you go on to say, and this is what we have to talk about now, the Reserve Bank is expected to leave its interest rates unchanged at its Monetary Policy Committee meeting next week, gaining some cheer from the improving global economic environment. Yeah. Have they got any justification for not cutting another 25 or 50 basis points, Annabelle? Well, they don't look at inflation that's historical. So, you know, this inflation's for May. And when they cut interest rates, you know, they're, they're changing the interest rates with a purpose of influencing inflation. And, of course, you know, that's one of the, the, the objectives. And, of course, you know, <laughs> there's little they can do about inflation in May. But obviously, when they do look at influencing inflation, it's in six to 12 months' time. So, really looking at inflation next year. But, of course, you know, that discussion has even, you know, gone out the window. The inflation figures are irrelevant because what we're facing in the economy instead is this extreme, terrible um crisis from an economic perspective, you know, the, the collapse in the economy, we're looking for about 10% down this year. And of course, that is very, very worrying for um, a huge number of people, you know, who lost their jobs, who've seen reduced incomes, companies that have seen um, reduced um, profitability, reduced turnover, you know, more importantly, and of course, as well, many people seeing um, 
reductions in income from rentals, other areas. So by dropping interest rates so very substantially in the face of the crisis, the Reserve Bank has obviously brought down borrowing costs extremely um, substantially. And, you know, th- that was really the key point. That was the key driver. Of course, the, the worry is that, um, you know, going forward, if there's another crisis, you know, obviously the Reserve Bank might need to ease interest rates even further. Well, if as we move yeah. through the year and we start to see the, the fact that this, you know, huge impact on the economy, this huge impact on jobs, we expect unemployment to rise towards 37%, is not obviously passing. And we're obviously seeing many um, households and corporates still in huge pain. The Reserve Bank may look to ease again from to, to, to provide relief on the debt servicing front. But from an inflation perspective, I, I think, you know, the story's changed quite a bit. You do say, and I'm going to repeat it because I've already mentioned it in your final paragraph, some cheer from the improving global economic environment. But unfortunately, there might be a dip. We've had the V, but now we might get the the double dip because, I mean, if you just take one state in the United States of America, Florida, closing down again, and and if you replicate that across the world, and if you go into the European winter, uh, September, October, and onwards, then maybe there'll be uh, shutdowns again. So there is a chance that we're going to go back into a global economic environment that doesn't give us cheer. Well, I think that's really important, Lindsay. You know, we that, that piece that you're quoting from was actually, you know, my, my full monetary policy committee piece. And of course, I, I discussed that very point you make in there that second waves, multiple waves of COVID nineteen infection do have this impact of shutting down the economies and having severe lockdown effects. And as a consequence of that, of course, then we do obviously see the negative impact on economic growth, but more worrying in that as well. While we're seeing quite a lot of, you know, improvement from data prints, as you're aware, you know, like the global PMI and other ones as well, the, the underlying demand to drive that continuation of recovery is not yet there. So I think, you know, that's really the point. Is recovery is going to be very, very patchy. On the other hand, the Reserve Bank, you know, um, will probably be be pleased that they obviously, you know, when it looks at its monetary policy decision, that there is some pull through coming from the global economy. And of course, that then means that, you know, we probably will not need to offer further crisis support in the face of the COVID-19 um, pandemic, because obviously the global economy feeds through into such performance. So if there's a glimmer of hope that the global economy is starting to recover, even if it's going to be a very patchy recovery, and we think it will be very, very stop-start in nature, as you mentioned as well, the Reserve Bank still would obviously take some cheer for that. So we don't think there's a lack of an interest rate cut next week. Okay. Well, um, maybe there will be, maybe there won't be, but uh, I, I think uh, you've, you, you've, been, you've been right for the last uh, five years since I've been speaking to you, uh, Annabelle. There's just one thing as well. I, I don't know what how much store you set in um, uh, anecdotal evidence, uh, but I think that domestic economies are going to become uh, more domestic, if you understand. Let me explain, because I was at Rotterdam Central Station the other day and there was a, a train that goes every 20 minutes to uh, Schiphol Airport. And normally the platform is jam-packed on a Saturday morning, especially in the middle of summer, uh, the European summer that is. And there wasn't one person on the station. So it's almost as though people are staying within their own environs, if you like. And um, th- there's not going to be the travel. There's not going to be the business travel. So therefore, domestic economies, to me, are the ones that need to be cherry-picked, if you like. It's almost like becoming a stock picker. You've got to become a country picker as well. I think that's a nice angle. And, you know, obviously people, what you mentioned now, a lot of that's going to feed into people being fearful of contracting COVID-19 um, concerns, you know, around entertainment, around travel. And, of course, you know, even just, even if they did catch it, not you know, or, or have had it before and are worried it might not offer immunity going 
ahead. Again, wanting to be perhaps closer to home, closer to people, it, it, it does change the dynamic. It changes the entertainment, it changes the tourism industry dynamics. And of course, you know, many people as well, Lindsay, don't forget having massive hits to their income and not possibly being able to afford these summer jaunts, as you mentioned, you know, um, yes. the, the impact on companies' turnovers as well, you know, a, a very different environment now. Yes, I mean, I, I can very easily get on an aeroplane to, to Greece or Spain or Portugal, wherever it is, and come back and not be in solitary confinement for two weeks when I get back. I just don't want to get on an aeroplane. I don't want to get there two, three hours beforehand and to have a, an, an, another two hours when I get off my aeroplane and they, they test me and all that sort of thing, my temperature and stuff. I don't want to do it. I mean, if I, if I do it, it'll be in a car, which means I can't go to Greece. I'll go to France or something like that. Everything's changed, Annabelle. Everything's changed, Lindsay. And, you know, I suppose one wonders how long will this last for? Obviously, when there is a mass global vaccine and we all feel we're safe, we're immunized, you know, relatively from, 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 I mean, some people obviously will still be very vulnerable, then, you know, things may start to normalize. But I think a lot of people are discovering the joys, as you mentioned, of being at home or being in your home country. I mean, in South Africa, we've seen a massive takeoff in home cooking, home baking. And, you know, really, you, you run out of baking powder and yeast. And stuff. I, so things really do, do look like that. I've, I've got, I have to mention this now because you've opened the door and, of course, I've put my foot in the door and I'm going to open it wider. Are you a home baker? Yes, I am. Quite <laughs> <laughs> irrelevant as an economist, unimportant in the business world, but I suppose we all have hobbies and we've all been trained for certain things as art when we were kids. <laughs> Annabelle, your baking is... <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. Thank you very much for your time this afternoon. That's Annabelle Bishop, who's the Chief Economist at Investec in Johannesburg. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.